Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others connect with Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I'm so glad to have you here. Today, I'm going to talk very briefly about incorporating worship into your prayer time. I really believe this is a key to establishing a habit of prayer, and I'll get into a little bit of why in just a minute. Prayer is so much more than simply bringing a list of needs to God, yet a lot of times that's what we do. We come in and we say, God, bless this and fix this and heal this and deliver this, and we walk out. And it's very one-sided. It's us asking him for things, which he does love to be asked for things because that is a statement of dependence. But we aren't going to really develop a habit of prayer in the proper way without other elements being involved. And one of the key elements that brings such incredible beauty and meaning to prayer and to a prayer life is praise and worship. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, he gave them a pattern. And when he started off that pattern, he said, first of all, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So he first told them to approach God as our Father in the context of relationship, in the context of a Father who doesn't give up on us, in the context of a Father who doesn't disown us or walk away but to approach him through relationship. Secondly, to remember that he is high. He's in heaven. He's hallowed. He's holy. He's above all things. He doesn't do things like we would think or like we would process. He does things in a totally different sphere, in a totally different realm. And thirdly, that we are to say, hallowed be thy name. We are to show reverence and respect and adoration and love, and that is worship. So he instructs us to start off our prayers with worship. And truly, worship and praise are a key part of establishing a prayer life. Worship is something that we all do. Every single person on the face of this planet has it written into the code of their DNA to worship something. And everybody will worship something. Some people worship athletes, they worship sports figures, they might worship celebrities. They may worship people on a talk show or a game show or some other reality show. Some people worship their bank account or their bank statement. Some people worship the idea of keeping peace at all cost and they avoid conflict. Some people worship their children or their spouse. Some people worship a lot of different things. You could fill in that with a lot of different X's, Y's, and Z's on that blank. But at the end of the day, we are all going to worship something or someone because we were created 
to worship. So first of all, let's just talk about what is worship. Merriam-Webster defines it like this. Reverence offered to a divine being or supernatural power and also an act of expressing such reverence. And I love this part of the definition. She says it's extravagant respect or admiration for or devotion to an object of esteem. God loves to be the recipient of extravagant respect or admiration. That is so powerful. Worship is very similar to praise, but there is a line, a fine line between the two. Praise is thanking God and declaring what God has done. It's talking about the acts or the actions of God. Worship is a little bit more intimate, and it talks about who God is, his nature, his character, his heart. And worship is adoring him for who he is. Worship is also a decision. It's not an emotion. And this is very important for us to realize because a lot of times we can get stuck in thinking worship has to be emotional. And worship will often be emotional, especially as we develop a relationship with God and we realize how good he is and how close he is. And when he walks with us through trials and other life seasons, there will be a lot of emotion in worship at times. But David said in Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. He says, I will make a decision to bless and magnify and glorify God in every single situation that my life finds me in. I will bless the Lord at all times. And so worship is simply a decision. Next, worship is a command. Psalms 150 says, I just draw, drew a blank and it's not in my notes. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Worship is a command. There's another scripture that simply says the dead do not praise God. As long as we have breath in our lungs, it is our responsibility to worship and to choose God as the recipient of our worship as opposed to the myriad other things that could be the recipient of our worship. So worship, again, is very similar to praise. They, they really go hand in hand. We praise and we worship. And it's adoring God for who he is, for his character, for his nature. It's a decision and it's a command. Worship has an effect in our lives, and this is part of why it is so important to incorporate it into our prayer lives. Worship is an invitation for God to enter our personal devotion time. And what happens when we worship God, there's a verse in the Bible that says he inhabits the praises of his people. He comes close. It invites him. And when he comes close, oftentimes we feel him and we sense him very tangibly and very real in that personal devotion time. And that is part of why it helps you develop that habit because it's not just dry, routine, ritual, but you're actually encountering the presence of God and that encounter makes you come back for more. It makes you long for more of it. When we encounter the presence of God, we desire more of the presence of God. Worship also has the effect of being magnetic for Jesus. Have you ever had somebody compliment you very sincerely? 
that compliment likely made you feel drawn to them. We are all, as humans, naturally drawn to people that like us and to people that tell us they like us. It's instinctive for us to feel connected to people who admire us, to people who adore us, and to people who think very highly of us. Now, obviously, that can cross a line, can become obsessive. But in general, people who have a well-rounded but very positive view of us are attractive to us. And it's the same thing with Jesus. It is magnetic for him when we adore him, when we admire him, when we appreciate him, and when we verbalize that to him in worship, it absolutely magnetizes him to us. Thirdly, worship has an amazing effect in that worship takes the focus, our focus of our minds and our spirits and our spiritual eyes off of us and off of our circumstances, and it puts them on him. It redirects our vision to his power, to his grandeur, to his capability, to his might. And there is something so incredible in that process. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And my pastor has preached many times that worship doesn't make our problems smaller, doesn't make our circumstances better. In reality, but it magnifies God above those circumstances. Our praise and our worship become a magnifying glass that magnify his goodness. And our vision and our focus is redirected to who he is and what he is able to do in our situation. And so just a quick example of kind of the differences of praise and worship. Again, praise reiterates and declares what God has done. So you might say things like, God, I praise you for saving me. I praise you for delivering me. I praise you because you have protected my family through this season of COVID. You have kept us. You have spared us. God, I thank you and I give you glory and I give you honor for the fact that you have kept my feet from slipping. You have preserved my footsteps. Things like that. Examples of worship, we talk about, God, you are faithful. God, you are lovely. You are so good. When I come into your presence, I sense your beauty. I know that at the core of your nature is truth and love and mercy and justice. And I am so thankful that I get to know you and I get to walk with you. So again, kind of just a little bit of differentiation. Praise talks about his acts and worship talks about his heart and his nature and his character. Before I go into today's devotional entry, I would really like to recommend a sermon that my pastor preached a few weeks back. It was called The Why and Wonder of Worship, and I will link to it in the show notes. It was very powerful, goes a lot more into depth on this topic, but you would really benefit from listening to it, and I hope that you take time to listen to it. One final note on worship. I always see worship in our personal prayer time as practice for church. It is very hard to enter a corporate worship setting and really just plug in directly to the presence of God if we have not been spending time on our knees in personal private worship and devotion. So again, our personal prayer time and our personal worship time is practice for church. And our church services our corporate worship experiences, our practice for heaven. Because one of these days, we are going to see his face. And when we see his face, 
we are going to worship. It is a guarantee. And that moment, we are going to realize how unworthy we are to be there. We're going to see his goodness and we're going to see our lack of deserving. And we are going to know so clearly that he deserves every last speck of worship. If we were to pour out our worship in the most explicit, dramatic forms that we could until that moment, it would still not be enough. And so I just want to challenge you to practice daily for Sunday worship. The Bible says that God is seeking worshipers. It says in John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is looking for worshipers. And I just want to challenge you today to incorporate praise and worship into your prayer time if you have not already. Today I'm going to share an entry called Surprised by Worship. It is about the story of the woman with the alabaster box. I actually believe there are two separate women who poured oil on Jesus. I recently ran across a chart that I made of the story or stories in the two different gospels and actually will be posting a photo of that on Instagram and on the website meganedited.com and so this entry is about those ladies who poured their lavish offerings on Jesus without further ado here is surprised by worship The story of the alabaster box is probably my favorite in all of scripture. There are other worship stories that I love too. David refusing to offer a sacrifice at no personal cost. Daniel's dedication, three times a day worship in the face of persecution. Solomon's extravagant display at the dedication of the temple and others. But I find no other story so personal, so authentic, so unexpected. Of Mary's worship, Matthew 26, 6 through 7 says, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Mark 14, 3 says, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, A woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. John 12, 3 says, Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Luke 7, 37-38 says, And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. I recently wrote about the fact that it was lavish, approximately a pound, costly, and humble. She washed not only his head, which was customary, but also his feet. This morning, another aspect of what makes this offering so beautiful is that it was unexpected and unrequired. 
Both of these women were not required to do anything along these lines. No one suggested it. In fact, in both scenarios, the onlookers were shocked and almost appalled at the lavish excess of her unexpected offering. Some call it a waste. Some mustered up false benevolence and suggested it should have instead been sold with the proceeds going to the poor. In Mary's case, they thought it too expensive. In the case of the woman known simply as a sinner, they thought her unworthy to offer an expensive gift and were horrified that Jesus would allow that type of woman to touch him. Yet Jesus' response was the opposite of the crowds. He welcomes the expensive display. He applauds the lavish outpour. He says of Mary that her worship would become a memorial through the ages. For the sinner, he points out to the host that you didn't wash my feet, kiss me, or anoint my head. She has been forgiven much, and this unsparing sacrifice has proved her love. He forgives her sin, credits her show of affection as faith, and sends her away in peace. There is something extra special about unexpected gifts. On a birthday or Christmas, while gifts are still surprises, they are somewhat expected. However, when I receive a just-because gift, it swells my heart with a feeling of being loved that no birthday or Christmas gift could. The giver had no requirement to give me a thing. I was expecting absolutely nothing, and the smallest gift under that setting is magnified in value. Jesus felt the same of these offerings. They were born of love and passionate affection, not duty or routine or requirement. These lavish displays of love were completely unexpected, unsuggested, and unrequired. And they moved his heart like nothing else could. Oh, to worship like that, to offer unexpected, unrequired worship that touches the heart of God, that moves his power and glory into motion, and is credited not simply as love and affection, but as faith. Oh, to surprise him with worship. That is very moving for me as I read it. Jesus is so grateful and so worthy of our worship. And today I just want to remind you to pour out your worship and your adoration on Jesus in your own personal prayer time. He is drawn and magnetized by our worship. It invites him into our situations, into our homes, into our lives. Don't forget to surprise him with worship. Thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I'm so glad to have you here. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or handwritten manuscript of today's entry, you can visit MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday.